Thanks, Ricky. Wow, thanks, Chip. Um, how are we doing, church? Good. Uh, well, my name's Alex. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to see you guys this morning. For everyone who's online, uh, I hope you're enjoying your pajamas and your breakfast and your coffee as you sit and worship with us. We miss you guys. Uh, friends, um, what a beauty it is that we get to gather and worship together each and every single Sunday morning. It, it is an absolute privilege that we have. And now we got this fancy podium thing, guys. We're not on a music stand anymore. Uh, praise God. But um, a couple of things before we dive into Acts. Uh, friends, have, have any of you guys ever ran maybe a half marathon, marathon, anything like that? Show of hands. Okay, a couple of us. So uh, a few years ago, for whatever reason, my wife, Mariah, and I decided that it would be a good idea to run the Lincoln Half Marathon. So we sign up in January. We get excited. I start kind of uh, looking online. I'm like, okay, how do you train for there's no way I'm going to make it. So I, I Google, I see these plans, and I'm like, okay, I want to run this time, and so I have to train at this pace, and I have to run this many miles this week, and these on these days. Uh, and, and so I knew there was a cost, right, that I was going to have to pay to sign up to run the half marathon and then actually run it. But as time started going further, the, the, the running math that we were doing, right, it, it goes like, oh, two miles, three miles, oh, okay, then you're going to do four miles and then like eight miles on Saturday and then you're going to go back and do like five miles. And it just got so much, it, it just took up so much time. Like I was sitting there and I was just going, I, I don't have the time to run five miles every day when really I was just kind of being lazy about it. And, and I, I realized that it was going to eat up so much more of what I thought it was going to be. I didn't count the full cost of what it actually looked like to train for a half marathon. I, I didn't count uh, the time. I didn't count proper eating habits. I didn't count stretching or, or sleep, all of that stuff that is good to help you run better. I was just like, oh, I don't think that's really a thing, but I tried. And so we get to the day of the half marathon. I'm sitting there, and uh, my wife's with me, and my mom's with me too. Uh, and she looks at me, and she's like, why are you starting with all the slow people? And I'm like, this is just the pace that I want to run, Mom. And so she like goes up to the faster people, and then she just completely blows us away. Uh, but anyway, we get through, and I'm about halfway into the thing, and my legs are just dead. Like, I, I, so I start walking. I'm walking like this down the way. Uh, but we get to the end, and I kind of, like, you enter Memorial Stadium, and, and so you kind of get hyped up because it's like, oh, it's like I'm doing the tunnel walk. Uh, but you, like, run in, and I'm, like, trotting. And I cross the finish line. I literally just, like, fell to the floor. I was <laughs> just like, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. It's over. They hand me my little participation medal. And, and, and I'm just like, yes, I did it. Uh, but you, you get up. And my legs were so dead that it, like, hurt to walk. I, I, I'm, like, trying to walk back to where they give you massages and you get your chocolate milk and your food and everything, and it was brutally painful. There was just so much to it that I didn't consider. I didn't count the full cost of running the half marathon. But as I look back on that memory, as I see pictures maybe come up in the month of May, like on your Facebook memories or whatever, I think, man, that was totally worth it. That was such a joy to be a part of. That was fun to be able to do that with my mom and with my wife. And now we get to look back. We got our little participation medals hanging out in our office. And so it's just a joy to say, man, that was so worth it. How many of you guys have something to where maybe you counted part of the cost, but you didn't count the full cost? 
of what it was actually going to take to sacrifice or what it was going to look like to actually complete the thing, right? Like maybe it was marriage, right? You get married and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm excited. I, I love my wife or my husband. They're my best friend. It's going to be amazing. And then you have your first fight over who didn't put the dishes away or the sock that was left out or whatever it is. And you start realizing, oh my gosh, marriage is a lot harder than what I thought it was going to be. But you say it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. Or maybe it's having kids, right? Kids are an absolute joy, and they're wonderful, they're beautiful, but sometimes when they're throwing a temper tantrum in the middle of Walmart while you're just trying to get your groceries, it's not so fun. And there's literally a cost to kids because you have to buy stuff for them. Or maybe it's that college degree or the master's degree, whatever it is, and you've been taking classes, right? And you're sitting through lectures and you're just like, oh my gosh, this professor's so boring. And you're taking your notes, you're studying for the huge exam, and you barely pass and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so hard. But at the end of the four years or whatever it was, you go, man, that was totally worth it. I'm so glad. And you counted the cost for what that was. Well, friends, today in the book of Acts, we're going to see four different people groups, right, who, who either counted the cost and denied the cost and walked away from it, or we're going to see people who counted the cost joyfully and said it's totally worth it. So we're going to see the, the poor in spirit who realize their need for a savior. We're going to see the prideful, jealous leaders who count the cost and say, no, my comfort is much more easier to submit to, or, or the practical people who never actually jump in completely, but only when it's good for them, when it seems okay for them. And then finally, we'll see the apostles who joyfully counted the cost to follow Jesus, who joyfully said he is worth it. So friends, read with me Acts chapter 5. I'm going to read verses uh, 12 to 16. So if you'd want to open up your Bibles with me, it says this. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on their cots and mats, so that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with the unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now, as we started walking through the book of Acts, right, over the last eight weeks or so, we've seen God do something really, really cool through the lives of the apostles. They proclaim the gospel, and people are constantly coming to faith in Jesus. People are constantly saying, yes, I am a sinner in need of saving. And we see uh, first 120, then 3,000, and then 10,000. Now we're at the point where Luke is just like, I can't even count them anymore. It's just multitudes of people who are hearing the name of Jesus and saying, yes, he is the risen Savior. He is the Messiah. He is who I need. Friends, it's absolutely beautiful to just see that these people realized their sin. They realized that they had a great need for someone. They had a great need for something, right? And a lot of them had different ailments, whether it was uh, battling seizures, whether it was not having the ability to walk, whether it was just sickness, they came and they said, we, we have a physical need that needs help. And the apostles joyfully say, we'll pray and ask God to do something sweet. And God answers that prayer here in Acts chapter 5 as we see that they were all healed. So who comes to faith here? Well, it's, 
those who realize they have a need, right? It's those who realize that they have a physical need, but they also realize that they have a deeper need. It's those who are poor in spirit. It it reminds me of Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus says this, or this is true about Jesus. It says, and he went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases, and they were oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. It sounds a lot like the ministry of Jesus, what the apostles are doing, right? Well, I love even more because right after that section in Matthew chapter 4, we get the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, and it starts like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How beautiful is that? Because the poor in spirit are the ones who realize they need something. And while these people know that they need something physically, God blesses them and does something even greater in their life because he shows them their deepest need is him. He shows them that, yeah, your physical need is a big need, but your spiritual need is even much deeper. And so God works and Jesus saves and he does this amazing, beautiful thing. And now the reality is that God may not heal all of our physical needs right now, but we do have the promise that Jesus will completely restore us in new creation and in new heaven and that when he returns, we will have new bodies and it will be absolutely beautiful And it will be wonderful because there's no more suffering in those moments. But the truth is we all have a deeper need than just our physical sickness or ailments or whatever it is. And that's our need for a savior, our need for forgiveness of our sin because we're spiritually bankrupt without Jesus. We are needy people, broken, lost in our sin. And Jesus is the only one who can save us. We can't be good enough to work our way to salvation. And when we come to realize that we are actually the ones who are poor in spirit, we can submit our lives over joyfully to him and have eternal life with him. It's a beautiful free gift that he offers to us. Salvation is free. Accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior is free. You don't have to do anything for it. But friends, following Jesus comes with a cost. Salvation is free, but following Jesus comes with a cost because it will lead to persecution or opposition or or people hating you, right? We we see in verse 13 as uh, the apostles start doing all of these crazy cool miracles and healing people and people are coming to faith. It says in verse 13 that none of the rest dared join them. There were people who said, ah, I don't think that's cool. I kind of like looking at it. I like watching it. I think it's pretty sweet, but I don't think it's the right thing. And there becomes opposition even more so. And in fact, Jesus promised suffering to us. He didn't come to make us live perfect, good, amazing lives. No, he died for us so that we would have life with him. But he promises us persecution in John chapter 15 verse 20 he says if they persecute me they will surely persecute you 
there, there will be opposition in your walk with Christ. There will be persecution in your walk with Christ. I can guarantee you that. There will be suffering. And, and maybe here in the States, right, we don't have the same type of persecution or suffering that our brothers and sisters across the sea have where they're hiding in an underground church here today worshiping Jesus, and they joyfully go to worship the king even though they know they, they might be killed today for worshiping him, for singing a song that says the name Jesus. We may not face that type of cost, but we do face a cost when following Christ, and maybe it looks just a little bit differently for you. Maybe the cost that God is putting on your heart or moving and stirring in you is to downsize a house. Or he's calling you to count the cost and say, hey, moving to go be part of a church plant is worth it. Maybe Jesus is saying, hey, uh, you might have to give up that Monday night basketball league to actually commit to the family of God and be part of a city group. There is a cost to following Jesus. Salvation is free. But there will be things where we say, no, Jesus is better Jesus is better. Friends, following Jesus is worth everything. Why? Because he counted the cost for us. Because we get to spend eternal glory and beauty with him. He is so worth the cost. And guess what? If you're sitting in this room or listening online, someone's already counted the cost for you. Because someone went out of their way to say, they may not like me after I talk to them about Jesus. Someone went out of their way to say, hey, I'm going to invite them to church, and they may not want to be my friend anymore. Someone counted the cost to say, I'm going to risk maybe not being friends with this person after this if they don't like what I have to say about who Jesus is and what that means for their life. Someone counted the cost because they knew that your soul, your eternity was worth it. And someone even greater counted the cost even further. And that is Jesus himself, that he paid the cost for us, that we can joyfully have comfort in heaven with him. And he came down, humbled himself, lived with sinful, broken people who murdered him. Also that they could have life with him. Jesus died so that we could have life. Jesus counted the cost and say, I want them to know me. Not because he needs us, but because we need him. And he paid the cost by dying on the cross for us. Praise God for his salvation for those who are poor in spirit. Because we're all poor in spirit. And we need to come to understand Jesus is worth it. Jesus is better, and persecution will come. Opposition will come. There is a cost to following Jesus, and while salvation is the free gift that we receive through Christ himself, we will run into people who are maybe prideful in our lives, like ourselves. But friends, let's read about the Sadducees who were prideful. Read with me verses 17 to 20. It says this, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles, and they put them in a public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. 
And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, we read um, that the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. And the root of their jealousy was pride. Any of you guys struggle, struggle with pride? Okay, I do. <laughs> Friends, pride is an ugly sin. And it leads us to just say, what about me? It, it makes our lives go, what, what about me? We put ourselves on top in the midst of that pride. And, and we see here, the Sadducees are saying, what about us? right? They're jealous and they're angry at the apostles. Why are they jealous and angry? Well, it's because they're the ones who have the attention, right? They have the multitudes of people who are surrounding them saying, oh my gosh, what you're doing is so cool. And the apostles are giving all the credit to Jesus. And the Sadducees are saying, well, what about us? We've been the ones that you've worshiped for so long. We're the ones who are high and mighty. We're the ones who are big and bad. Why aren't you worshiping us? And they're frustrated. And why are they frustrated? Because the apostles are, are doing something wonderful, right? They're doing something really cool. They're healing the sick. They're hanging out with the poor. I, I don't think the Sadducees were necessarily angry at the fact that people were being healed, right? Like that sounds even more wicked, and, and maybe it was, but I think the reality is that they were jealous that they, the attention wasn't on them anymore. That they were jealous that their power, right, their, their, what they thought was their power was leaving them. Their authority, because everyone was looking to the apostles and saying, no, the authority is actually Jesus, not you guys. And that led them to be jealous and angry and frustrated. And so they went and they grabbed the apostles again and they throw them in jail for the night. And they're excited to be able to go to court the next morning and say, see, they didn't listen the first time. And now it's time to finally do something about it. They're excited about this, and pride gets in their way of seeing God's blessing. Because they, they could have just stopped and said, man, that's, that's pretty sweet what God's doing over there. He's healing people. That's amazing. But no, they were jealous, and they were angry, and they were frustrated. And so that got in the way of them actually enjoying God's blessing or what God was doing, God's glory. Has pride ever gotten in your way, your own pride, gotten in your way? of enjoying God's blessing or, or his glory. It has for me. You know, we have the privilege and the joy to be part of the, the greater City Light family, right? And, and about once a month, uh, pre-COVID, we were able to gather as almost like this family reunion where we would come together as all the City Light churches and we would hear from the preaching of the word that whoever's church was hosting, one of the pastors would preach and encourage us. And you know that in our church family, we love encouraging people. We love saying, man, praise God for the gifts that he's given you. And we love calling that out. And in those moments, I hear other pastors get praised and people are saying, man, their sermon was fire. Oh my gosh, that, that, their communication gift is so beautiful. And it starts to creep up in me. And I start going, well, what about me? You didn't say anything about me today. I gave a really good announcement. <laughs> Thank me for a little bit. And my pride gets in the way of saying, man, praise God for that preaching gift that my brother has. Praise God that he's preaching to the masses the gospel of Jesus and good news is being shared and people are coming to life. 
and my jealousy gets in the way. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe it's as simple as taking out the trash and going, I hope somebody sees me, right? Maybe it's as simple as cleaning the bathrooms and going, man, I hope somebody thanks me for it. Maybe it's as simple as worshiping on the worship team and singing to Jesus and going, man, I hope somebody tells me good job. Maybe it's getting frustrated over somebody getting credit over something that you did and your pride gets in the way of enjoying God's blessing and you start to lift yourself up wanting your own selfish ambition, wanting your own praise rather than giving all of the glory to him who properly deserves it. You see, the Sadducees were prideful people. The Sadducees were angry and frustrated that their power position was being removed. And they didn't want to lay down their comforts to step aside and give God the glory. No, they wanted all the glory for themselves. And maybe you're sitting in this room, and even more so, or you're listening online, and even more so you're like the Sadducees because their pride not only got in the way of them enjoying God's blessing in terms of the miracles that were happening, but their pride got in the way of actually seeing Jesus as the one true God. And maybe your pride has gotten in your way from seeing Jesus for who he really is because you don't want to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You just want to accept the fact that, yeah, some of it is maybe true, but not all of it. Uh, I'll just kind of have whatever. Oh, cool. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, maybe, maybe your pride has gotten in the way of you actually submitting to Jesus' authority, and your pride is saying, no, I don't want to give up my comforts. I don't want to live that lifestyle. I don't want to actually believe that Jesus died for me, and so that means that I, have to, that I, that I should follow him because he is the true God. <sighs> maybe your pride has gotten in the way of you actually submitting to Christ as Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're a little bit more practical, right? Like Gamaliel, who stands before the Jewish council when uh, they finally, the apostles finally return, and they're kind of all talking amongst each other. Hey, what do we do? Do we kill him? Do we not kill him? What, what should we, how, how do we beat him up? How do we make him stop talking about this Jesus guy? And Gamaliel, who's this big Pharisee guy up top, and he kind of stands before them all, and he's like, hey guys, hold on for a second. What if we just wait it out? Some guys have done this before, and it kind of fizzled out. Let's, let's just do that again. Let's see if it'll fizzle out in a couple of weeks, months, whatever. And if it's not, then maybe God, maybe Jesus is God. And some of you are like, yeah, seems pretty wise. It's pretty practical, right? And, and it, it makes us look even more to the people in verse 13 who didn't dare join. They're in the same boat, kind of. They're, they're looking to the crowd. They're hearing the gospel preached, and they're like, I like it enough to kind of follow and watch. I like it enough to dip my toe in. But I'm not actually going to join. I'm not actually going to jump in. And that's what Gamaliel does here, right? He kind of says, hey, I don't really want to kill him because it might be real. But if it's not real, then we don't really have anything to think about 
And Gamaliel starts to count the cost of what it looks like, and he says, well, uh, dang, do I want to go all in or not? I'll just play the halfway game. I'll just kind of sit with it and say, well, let's just wait it out. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're trying to be a little bit more practical with your faith in Jesus. And you say, okay, I've been coming to church for a while because it seems kind of like the the cool thing to do, right? Or or it'll make me seem like a good person. Or, Or you've grown up going to church your whole life with your family and you do it simply just to check the box off because it's like, I think I'm supposed to be doing this. Or maybe you put up some Bible verses on that Facebook post that you had and you're kind of like, yeah, I want people to think that I'm a really nice person and I want them to think I'm a good person. But the minute it gets a little uh, hard to be a Christian, you go, oh, I don't agree with that. So I'm going to step away from it. Maybe you start to think, I don't really want to commit to a city group or be consistent Because that's going to take up too much time. I don't want to give up all my time to God's people. Or or maybe you start thinking, ah, I'm not going to be all in because, man, those Christians are just weird. We are. (laughs) It's okay to admit it. I'm fine with it. I hope you are too. Maybe you start walking with Christ and you're walking with Jesus and you're kind of doing the whole thing, and then you open up your Bible and you read something and you go, I don't know if I agree with that. And so you step away and you say, ah, I just agree with the Bible when it agrees with me. I'll just agree with Jesus when he agrees with me, when he fits who I want him to be. That's my kind of Christianity. Friends, we're not the authority God is. And we can't be dipping our toes in the water and then pulling them back out whenever we want to. That's not what the Christian life is like. But it's submitting completely to who he is. Gamaliel, right, kind of counted the cost and said, let's wait it out. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Or you may be being practical in your walk with Jesus like Emilio, right? Because he kind of says, I, man, I don't want to give up my life to Christ completely, but I don't really want to be on God's bad side, so I'll just kind of hang out in the middle so that way maybe I won't go to hell. And Jesus says, no, I want you all. I want every part of you. I want all of who you are. And he deserves all of who we are. Salvation is free. We don't have to do anything other than realize that we're broken, sinful people in need of a Savior, that we can not live perfect lives as Jesus did, and we can submit to him and say, Jesus, thank you. But following Jesus does come with a cost where the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts and in our minds and it moves to convict us to say, oh my gosh, okay, I'm in. Salvation is free. 
But following Jesus comes with the cost. And there will be moments where the opposition will kind of come in or friends maybe will kind of try to drag you back into the darkness. And those are the moments where you say, no, I'm not going to step into the darkness, but I'm going to step into the marvelous light that Jesus offers to me. You know, Jesus talks about this cost. He, he shares it with us specifically in Matthew 10. And so I just want to read a little bit of Matthew 10 to show you what he said. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says, I'm sending you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Then he later says, you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves their sons or daughters more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Man, following Jesus sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? He says, pick up the cross and follow me. Because what he has is so much better. It's so much better. And he is worth all all of it because he counted the cost for us because he suffered for us so that we could have eternal life with him forever praise god so friends how do we keep moving forward right if we're kind of in between and we're dipping our toes in and we're looking at it we're going man that's a lot i don't want to be a sheep in front of wolves well how do we continue to submit to jesus well, it's realizing, right, that we are the poor in spirit and saying, Jesus, I know that I need you. And in that moment where you come to him and you realize the fact that he is the God of the universe and you give your life over to him, he gives us the beautiful gift of his Holy Spirit, the beautiful gift of the third person of the Trinity to continue walking with him. So friends, let's read about the powerful who, who submit to the Holy Spirit, who submit to Jesus. Read with me verses 40, and 40, 40 to 42. And when they had called in the apostles, right, this is after jail for the second time, they beat them and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go, and they left their presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. A quick overview of what the apostles have been doing during this time, right? Because we're kind of going back and forth in the story. But it starts out with the apostles who are healing, right? Those who are lame, they're uh, caring for those who are sick and poor and needy. People are coming to faith. The Sadducees kind of come into the picture and they grab them, they put them in jail. Uh, and as they sit in prison overnight, an angel of the Lord kind of breaks in and opens the door and he's like, okay, you got to go back out and do exactly what you were just doing. I, if that was me, I'd be like, uh... That's going to get me in more trouble than I'm already in. But the apostles, the Spirit of God gives them power and encouragement and conviction to go, yeah, let's go. And so they go back out and they start preaching the gospel to all who would hear the next morning. And they're brought before uh, the Sadducees again because the guards go and find them and they hear them. And Peter, standing before them for the second time, he could have stopped and said, 
yeah, guys, I'm sorry. I didn't listen. Will you forgive me? He could have tried to save himself, right? And save his friends who are with him and say, yeah, maybe they won't kill us if we apologize. But no, he stands before them and he boldly say, we must obey God rather than men. To people who have the power to murder him, he looks them in the eyes and he says, nah, I'm listening to Jesus. He says, I don't care what you do to me. I don't care how much you hate me, but God has called me to follow him. God has called me to preach the gospel. He's called me to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth to continue to share the truth of who he is and hope that people would come to see him. That's what God's call is on our lives. And Peter boldly says, we must obey God rather than men. I pray that would be us, church. I pray that that would be true for us, that we would say, man, I just want to follow Jesus. And that's what I'm going to do with my life. And then after this proclamation, right, after he shares this truth and Gamaliel kind of calms them all down and he's like, yeah, let's just wait it out. What happens? Well, the Sadducees bring the apostles back in and they, they beat them up give him some lashings and say, hey, don't go preach that guy's name anymore. And the scripture tells us they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. And they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. (laughs) What does it even mean that they were counted worthy to suffer in his name? Like, it's just kind of like, They just want to keep following and say, man, we must obey God rather than men. And they say, I don't care what suffering looks like on this side of heaven because when Jesus returns, it's going to be all worth it because I get to spend eternity with him and people will have come to know him and it's worth it because he is worth it. He himself is worth it. They weren't on the fence about Jesus. They didn't say, yeah, we'll just stick to Jesus when it's comfortable and convenient for us. No, they jumped into the water, and they say, we're all in for Jesus. We're all in. And the persecution is worth it because they know that they've been freed from sin and been sent on mission, not been sent into comfort. Friends, have you counted the cost of what following Jesus is like? Know that your salvation is free. Know that it's a beautiful gift that we have, that we can inherit the kingdom of God because of Jesus Christ, but have you counted the cost of what following Christ is actually like? That there's going to be moments where you have to step forward and say, no, I'm going to stand firm on my faith in who Jesus is. And that will lead to opposition. And I want you to think back on your walk with Christ so far, right? Whether it's been a day or whether it's been years. Has there been opposition? Has there been people who are frustrated with you directly? I'm talking about your personal life. Because if there hasn't, there's probably something wrong to your approach. Because the gospel's offensive. If I share the truth of Jesus, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can go to the Father except through him, that's bound to offend some people. 
It's bound to frustrate people and be agitated towards you. Granted, we want to share the truth of Jesus with grace and love and peace. But it will frustrate some people. Has there been actual opposition in your life? And, and if there hasn't, why? Have you been sharing the true gospel? Have you been sharing the gospel? Have you been walking with Jesus before friends who don't know Jesus? Has this actually happened in your life? Don't believe the lie that your faith in Christ should be some private faith. Because it's not. Jesus himself told us to go to Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That doesn't sound private to me. That sounds like he wants me to go everywhere and tell everybody about him. Does it not sound the same to you? Friends, we are to go to the ends of the earth to count the cost and to give up our comforts for him because he is worth it, because Jesus paid the price for us so we could have eternal life with him, because Jesus left comfort so that we could be uncomfortable with him. He's not asking us to do something he already hasn't done. He's already gone through the whole process and say, you can do this. You have my promised Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And Peter, before the, the Sadducees, he tells them, You killed him by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. We, us, the church, all of us are witnesses to these things, to who Jesus is our sin separates us from God. That's a reality that we know, right? That when we sin against God, that creates this separation from him. But Jesus joyfully said, I will die so that you will no longer be separated. I will die so that you will be with me in eternal glory. I will rise on the third day to bring you up with me. But sometimes we tend to be prideful people saying, I don't want to give up my comfort. I don't want to give up who, who I am. I don't, I don't want to give up my own success or my own power to make Jesus be made famous. I just want to be made famous. I just want people to praise me and worship me, give me encouragements. But no, Jesus told us to pick up our cross and to follow him, to walk with him completely. And he's worth it completely. Friends, when you count the cost to standing before a friend over coffee, and you sit with them, it's worth the awkward conversation to see Jesus save their soul. It's worth the, the 10 minutes of stumbling on words. It, it's worth the few minutes of maybe them being agitated at you for sharing your personal testimony and how God has moved in your life to hope and see that God could change theirs. It is totally worth it to tell people who Jesus is and to follow him completely. Friends, Jesus is worthy of the cost. And I will joyfully suffer opposition and persecution to stand firmly and to say, man, I want to be counted worthy to suffer for his name's sake. Church, let us go house to house sharing that Christ is Jesus. Let's pray.